0: Geopolitics and Empire is joined by former U.S. Army Intelligence Officer James Wesley Rawls, the best-selling author of a number of survivalist novels, such as Patriots, Surviving the Coming Collapse, as well as nonfiction like How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It. In fact, I believe I have that book tucked away in a box somewhere in my other home, in the European Redoubt, as I'll call it. His newest nonfiction book is The Ultimate Prepper's Survival Guide, published just half a year ago, and he's founder of survivalblog.com, the premier source of information on family preparedness and survival topics. Topics. Mr. Rawls, as the Great Reset is underway, how is uh, life going uh, for you in the American uh, Redoubt?
1: Well, uh, I must say life is good, but uh, we're—it's a little challenging uh, seeing what's going on politically in the United States, and with the switch in presidential administrations and the just the onslaught. Of executive orders and legislation here in the United States, it is a little troubling.
0: Well, since you mentioned that, uh, that was one of my questions. I guess we can start there. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts on the American political situation. Uh, I, I I'm an American. Well, I have three three passports, three citizenships, but <laughs> I was born in America, and I feel that we have experienced a, a coup in a sense, and that the America of my youth is is no more. That that's that's how I'm feeling, and it seems like. A new authoritarian regime is taking up power in Washington and is in the process of dismantling democracy as you mentioned the executive orders and entrenching and solidifying um, some, you know some kind of semi-dictatorship you know what are your thoughts on the USA today
1: Yeah I actually agree with you I think that the socialists who took the White House are basically consolidating power right now and it's it made it very clear that they are not here to debate. They're not here to negotiate. They're here to uh, consolidate their power. It's all about power. It's all about control. And they have no regard whatsoever for our American traditions or our constitutional republic. Uh, and and the Constitution itself, I think they consider kind of a, a antiquated joke. It's very troubling to see this go on, and I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better.
0: Would you say it seems to me that in in a, in a way that this is not like something we've experienced in the past? That we've kind of crossed the Rubicon, and we're dealing with something that like is the real deal. Like you know that we've seen yeah. in, in Europe that it's it's very dangerous.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It it is essentially a coup d'état, and we're just in really in the early stages of what they have planned. I personally think that the uh, president in the next year will probably not be President Biden. It'll be President Harris. I think she was actually the intended uh, president, and they slipped her in. Basically, they'll get rid of Biden on some pretense or pretense or pretext, uh, probably health uh, concerns or something like that, or. I don't think they're going to go 25th amendment on us, but I think that they'll shuffle Biden out the door very quietly. And uh, with then with much fanfare, they're going to say, Oh, we have our first female president. What they won't be saying in the mass media is we have our first communist female president. Uh, If anything, I think that Harris is probably the most liberal politician ever to come to such high office. Her political persuasion, really, when you come right down to it, patterns those of Chairman Mao of China. She's a Maoist.
0: Yeah, I had that scenario uh, in my head as well, and so have other people. So I think this is something to think about, as you said, in the coming months uh, or or year. Um, I've previously had Pastor Chuck Baldwin on, and I'm starting to tend to agree with his unpopular assessment that perhaps wittingly or unwittingly, President Trump may have been a uh, globalist trojan horse that's what chuck baldwin uh, had said and you know i, I had a question from my listener since you were army intelligence i wanted a quick comment on QAnon. you know a handful of my listeners still follow this thing um but i personally kind of i, I dismiss uh, qanon anon as an intelligence operation uh, against democracy and against uh, the us sorry to my listener but i i th- that's my opinion uh and we're seeing now i think the government using Q and honors as sort of an, an entrapment, you know, saying anyone pushing this is a domestic uh, extremist. They, they're passing these domestic uh, war on terror laws. And so, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but you know, what are your thoughts on the Q mu- movement and this idea that Trump will come back to save us?
1: I think the, the Q movement is well-intentioned by the folks who are involved uh, at the receiving end. I have serious doubts about it either being gray propaganda or a, uh, a PSYOP, really, when you come right down to it, uh, directed against those good patriots by some folks probably within the deep state. I think it was planned uh, quite a while back. They One of the, the classic techniques with gray propaganda is you're mixing good intelligence with bad intelligence and presenting both as if they're all good intel. And if you look at the track record of QAnon, early on, the major- the vast majority of what they were putting out was quite credible. And that uh, got a lot of people hooked into uh, reading the Q updates uh, very regularly, very almost religiously. But as time went on, they started slipping more and more bad intel in there. And to the point where at the time of the January 6th inauguration... Uh, protests. There were. It was out and out black propaganda. It was. It was all lies. There was no credible uh, attempt within uh, the Beltway to actually uh, declare the election of November 2020 invalid and seat a reseat uh, President Trump as the 46th president. So I have very mixed feelings about uh, QAnon. And uh, again, I think that it probably falls in the category of gray propaganda.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, So I want to get a kind of a bigger picture of what's going on. We're living in truly tumultuous times. You know, a lot of your forecasts from the last uh, many years are coming to pass. The economy is collapsing uh, everywhere. Inflation is going nuts. Supply chains breaking down. Energy becoming unreliable we're seeing social upheaval uh, the most current example being colombia uh, it seems you know we were headed down this trajectory one way or another and that the pandemic essentially got the show started there are many people who consider the pandemic planned uh, given that the half dozen pandemic war games uh, there were that ran between 2018 and 19 uh, as well as this accompanying great reset uh, some people say it's a bioweapon release uh, others that it's uh, exaggerated. You know, what are your thoughts on the pandemic health uh, emergency? Here again, I have very mixed uh, feelings on this because
1: uh, obviously there are people dying, but the case fatality rate numbers have been completely, well, initially they were wildly exaggerated. They made it look like there was a, a 10% fatality rate, which if that had really occurred, would have meant that it, our nation would have suffered more than 3 million um, or excuse me, thirty million deaths uh, before all, all was said and done. Obviously, uh, the the fatality rate is high only amongst the very elderly or the very infirmed who have multiple, uh, you know, comorbidities. So. In terms of the origin of the flu, I think that obviously it did come out of China, whether it was bioengineered, it remains to be seen. But the main effects have been psychological and economic. They It's basically turned the masses of the majority of the world's population uh, into cowering, submissive serfs. It's like almost like medieval serfdom where people are uh, almost willingly uh, masking up, staying home from their jobs, the whole gamut. And again, it all goes back to control. In the long run, I think we will look back on this and see that we were horribly duped. The fact that they're no longer reporting influenza deaths in amongst the COVID deaths, they're basically lumping them all together to make them all look like they're COVID nineteen. We're obviously being lied to in a systematic nature uh, fashion, and the in the long run, I think we're going to look back on this and say that it was the entree for a massive clampdown worldwide under essentially totalitarian control. Right now. Um, I can't cross the border into Canada. Couldn't if I wanted to. The only only vehicles that are going across the Canadian right right now are commercial trucks. Everyone else is barred from, from travel. So we're essentially locked down into countries and even states and even cities. Um, in pl- places like England right now, for example, it is illegal to go visit a friend. The implications of this are huge, and I think they'll be felt for decades.
0: Yeah, speaking of Canada, just a week or two ago, I uh, I interviewed um, Polish Canadian Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, whose church is unlawfully being shut down, and he's been doing a great job defying uh, authorities. But it's clearly public health is being used a- as a political weapon uh, all across the board. Um, I know I know the church that I was attending in, in Kazakhstan for a while during uh, the pandemic were shut down, and so yeah, it's being used as a weapon. Um, On the economy that you mentioned, you've been talking about this for for many years, and are are we finally getting to the edge of the cliff?
1: We're certainly closer than we ever have been. You know, 30 years ago, when I wrote the first draft of what later was titled Patriots, my first novel, uh, a lot of people poo-pooed the whole idea and said, it's impossible. We'll never see a socioeconomic collapse on that scale. The dollar is, you know, sound as a pound and the, the whole concept of the, dial- the, the dollar going hyperinflationary are crazy. That's what they were saying 30 years ago. Now, not so much, because if anything, we are on the cusp of hyperinflation right now. The, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury have conspired to basically triple the money supply in, in, in dollar terms in the United States in the last two years. They've tripled the money supply. How can that not be massively inflationary? In fact, I'm running a piece uh tomorrow in or excuse me on Sunday in my blog talking about the prospects for mass inflation and some some countermeasures that people can take. I'm very concerned that we're very close to uh tipping over into mass inflation. We're already seeing it in key commodities, uh, things like copper, lumber, Petrochemicals, ammunition—you name it—almost across, across the board, we're seeing inflation rates anywhere from twenty to fifty percent annually. Uh, and if that catches on, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, the inflationary effect is psychological. The expectation of inflation breeds inflation, and once we get into an inflationary cycle, it'll be very, very hard to stop it. Even if they stop the printing presses, uh, literally or figuratively, whether it's uh, printed dollars or electronic dollars, even if they stop the press, inflation will go on and it's very likely that once it takes hold,
0: it will become part of the collective psyche and then beyond inflation i mean we we're, we're seeing this everywhere you know i was uh, in the last few years living in kazakhstan and i saw food prices uh, from different for different items go anywhere up from 10 to 50 percent uh, for a while here uh, in mexico where we get we get our water delivered in these 20 liter uh, bottles yesterday the guy uh, delivers it and it just jumped up in price it's just a shocking you you're seeing it jump uh, everywhere so beyond inflation then you know what what do you think comes uh, after that what will life daily life uh, be like?
1: Well, a lot of it has to uh, to do with whether or not the Western governments implement sovereign cryptocurrencies, and I think they will. With the cryptocurrencies, uh, a couple of things are going to happen. One is they're going to clamp down very heavily on private cryptos because governments hate competition. And the other is cryptocurrencies provide governments with the means to completely track every transaction that takes place and what they can track they can control that means if they have rationing uh they'll watch every transaction if they see that you bought too much flour in one one month uh, you're cut off no more transactions for flour for you for 90 days or whatever um and of course in terms of taxation It's a bureaucrat's dream come true because while private cryptocurrencies are incredibly opaque and private, the sovereign cryptocurrencies will be 100 percent transparent to the government. So they'll be able to tax every transaction if they want to. And uh, getting back to inflation, if inflation starts getting out of hand, it also allows governments to lop a zero off the end of a currency overnight. Because they don't have to print new currency. Or new coinage or mint new coinage. They can just revalue a currency overnight. So. Uh, I think the. Advent of. Sovereign cryptocurrencies. Will probably be the next step. In the big. Uh, great reset. Game plan that they seem to be rolling out. I think they'll also probably. Either declare. That. There's new variants of COVID-19 or a whole new COVID, like COVID-22 or whatever comes along. And they'll lock everyone down again and clamp down the economy all over again. And that will be the absolute death knell for small business in the United States and a lot of other countries. If you look back at what happened with COVID, who lost and who won? You know, the old question in Latin is, hui bono? Well who benefited? To me, it looks like giant tech companies like Amazon were the ones that benefited. Small businesses were the ones that lost out. Thousands of small businesses all over America, restaurants, small shops, tire repair places, you name it, they all went out of business. And a lot of them will never go back into business because a lot of the revenue that was directed at those businesses is now being directed online to, to online retailers like Amazon.
0: Yeah, this you know this had been one of my questions. You know, if we go even further, you know, let, let's say they get these. Basically, this is a cashless system that you described. They put in these digital uh, currencies. You know, it's a technocracy, a techno feudal. Digital concentration camp, you know, one of my past guests, Edwin Black, calls it the algorithm ghetto, coupled with, you know, de-platforming, de- uh, you'll be knocked out of the virtual and even physical space where you won't, you won't be able to buy uh, or sell. You know, my Patreon uh, was terminated two months ago. Uh, and so, um, you know, if we go even further, it's, it's going to look like... Uh, I mean, it's going to be a total science fiction dystopia. I don't. How, how would you even be able to get out of it? it, it it's frightening. And I, I, what would be like one of the answers? I, I guess to to, to oh, surviving but, this, you go off grid, rural. Is that like the only answer?
1: I, I think so. That and or expatriation, and what you've done, moving to Mexico, may actually be a wise thing in the in the long long term. I think it is neo feudalistic, and it is in many ways. The implementation of a control grid that will come to dominate everyone's lives, because if you literally cannot buy or sell, and I use that phrase in the in the book of Revelation sense of the term, they can marginalize anyone to the point of absolutely silencing them. It's one thing for them to you know just cut off their uh, PayPal account or their Patreon account or kick them out of Amazon associates. But it's a whole nother to say you literally cannot do any business and you can't even pay your property taxes without this electronic currency. And if, if we
0: ace you out of the system, you are PNG, your persona non grata. You know, that was you just hit on a thought that I've had in the back of my mind where, you know, even if I have a property paid off, um, but you still owe annually the property tax. But if they if they don't take cash anymore and they only use the digital system, and you've been locked out of it, I mean, the worst case scenario is you, you can't pay your property tax, and your property is and you get kicked off your own land, right? Which shows you whose land it really is. Do, do you have? Um, I mean, I since you're a, a Christian and myself as well. I mean, do you have any prophetic, uh, you know, perspective on where where we are? <laughs>
1: I'm actually not, a, I don't hold to modern prophecy at all, but I, I do hold very closely to biblical prophecy. I think we're still in an age of silence prophetically. And if you look back, though, at the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, it's, it seems to me like we're entering into the last days. And I think that people need to get right with God and they need to stock up, team up and train up with like minded people so that they'll be ready for this. And hopefully if we do end up in a beast type system where uh, Christians are locked out and not able to, to buy or sell or pay their taxes, uh, hopefully they'll be able to barter with neighbors who are uh, non-Christians who are in the system, who might be able to uh, buy gasoline for them or buy, you know, order propane for them or Uh, pay their property taxes so that we can at least physically survive in situ because otherwise we're going to end up as refugees. And if you look back on the history of the 20th century, one of the worst categories to be in was refugee. Your, Your life expectancy is very short. From an actuarial standpoint, it's a very dangerous status to be in uh, uh, the life of a refugee is uh, nasty brutish and short
0: yeah this kind of segues into another question i had you know on, on survivalism and the nature of what we're discussing and you know i get questions about uh, strategic uh, relocation expatriating bugging out uh, i like uh, teddy roosevelt saying do what you can with what you have where you are but you know people still ask me what you know in America, where would be the best place to go? And on your website, you talk about this, and I think it would be the American uh, Redoubt. People can check out your website for that. In terms of foreign locations, uh, I like places like Mexico, where I am, where places that are warm, where energy for heating or cooling is not required. Uh, I We don't need here, where I am, uh, cooling or heating so that takes care of uh, energy and food can, <laughs> food can easily be grown uh, as well as the personal freedom that results from a government that walks the thin line between order uh, and chaos and so things are yeah. kind of on a hand and we're kind of left uh, to our own devices uh, as, as you mentioned i think one of the keys is Community to be essential because you know Commando and Rambo work only in in Hollywood. So you know, what are some tips uh, you would you would advise people for seeking to, to relocate within the U.S. or without uh, the U.S.?
1: Well, within the United States, of course, prefer the American Redoubt that it consists of uh, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and the eastern halves of Oregon and Washington. Although Oregon and Washington is starting to look a lot less tenable, unless the those eastern halves of those states actually partition and become separate states um, and then elsewhere in the United States I, I really like the Cumberland Plateau region in Tennessee and uh, there's are certainly areas uh, in the southern Appalachians in the Ozarks uh, that are pretty viable as retreat locales although the population density east of the Missouri River is dramatically higher and generally I point people to moving to low population density areas because generally less people means fewer fewer problems. So um, get out of the cities and if possible, get out of the suburbs and move to a food producing rural area with a very low population density that's well removed from the major population centers. And I'm talking, you know, the better part of A tank of gas, if not further, if possible. And there's not that many places in the country uh, that are east of the Missouri River where you can find that. They're mainly going to be in the rural west, mainly the intermountain west. Another area to consider would be the Four Corners region, which is where New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado come together. Uh, That is a natural gas producing area. And in my second novel, Survivors, I pointed out the advantages of being in a energy exporting region where i'm sitting right now today is it a electricity exporting region because there's so many hydroelectric dams in the inland northwest but in the four corners region there's a tremendous amount of natural gas and they too export power so if the if the western power grid were to go down Either where I am here or in the Four Corners region, the grid would only be down for a matter of a couple of minutes, perhaps, before the the local grids are reconstituted with local power. Uh, If you talk to your local power co-op, they refer to that as islanding their power, where you have an island of power surrounded by darkness, basically, if the if the major grids go down in the United States, we have three, an Eastern grid, a Western grid, and a Texas grid. If those three major grids go down, there is going to be islands of light in the darkness. And that's uh, an enviable place to be.
0: Mm-hmm. i've I've got just another question or two. You know one of the things you've been talking about for years, and you know that's that's looming over all of us is this talk, you know military conflict of a coming war with the dragon bear, Eurasia, Russia, China. Uh, And I think I've been agreeing with you. I feel by hook or by crook that it's inevitable somehow that there are special interests desiring to bring it about or that just, you know, that's the nature of great powers and empires and and history. And your your thoughts on the possibilities of serious conflict uh, between that would involve the U.S., Europe, uh, Russia and China?
1: Well, I think Aldous Huxley had it right (laughs) in that nation states like to have perpetual war. If they're in a in a wartime footing, they can get away with a lot more in terms of taxation, control on their own populace, uh, a draft, a lot of things that they like to do. They can get away with in time of war they can't do in peacetime. So a perpetual state of war is in the best interest of globalist statists, and whether that's whether whether they're American or European or Asian or Russian it really doesn't matter they will have the same goal and that's to control their own populace's and we're seeing that happening uh, It's it's been going on if you look back even before World War II, you can see that what the British called the great game is alive and well now there are some legitimate threats from nations like China obviously they're flexing their muscles in the South China Sea I would not want to be living in the Philippines right now. In fact, in my, um, my novel expatriates, I talked about the, the threat of both Indonesia and China. And in my last novel in the Patriot series liberators, I talked about the Chinese threat with them, uh, invading, uh, in the case of that novel in, in Canada where they were stopped. But, uh, we could very well see in the long term, and I'm here I'm talking 15 or 20 years out, we could see a global threat from China literally, physically taking over the United States. Right now, they don't have the transport to do that. They don't have the air transport or the military lift, sea lift capacity to do that. But 15 or 20 years from now, they might. And if we are in a deep, deep depression here in the United States, uh, with lots of domestic chaos uh, because of a you know a grid down collapse. We could literally see a power vacuum that would allow a nation like China to come in, and that's what I posited originally uh, in Patriots when I wrote that. Uh, Literally 20 years or 30, I'm sorry, 30 years ago in the winter of 1990,
0: 1991. All right. Um, well, th- I guess we have some time then. <laughs> That's the good news. Uh, maybe just one more question. You know, uh, on cyber uh, security, cyber warfare. Last month, NATO held a cyber war game simulation, and in July, our friends at the World Economic Forum are going to host a cyber pandemic si- simulation. Uh, <laughs> it seems like you know they're planning, uh, you know, m- maybe a false flag operation t- to uh, run a cyber attack as as part of ushering in this digital system. And and a- again, a return to what you were talking about before, and others. Have have said this that it seems, uh, well, some folks in the alternative media have a lot of hope for these, you know, use of private cryptocurrencies to, to fight against this thing. But I'm tending more toward going all <laughs> I, analog, would be the answer. I, I wish I could be that
1: optimistic. But knowing the nature of modern status governments, I think they're going to come down hard on the cryptocurrencies and everyone who uses them. Anyone who has cryptocurrencies in an exchange can basically kiss that crypto goodbye. Because it's going to get scarfed up by governments, clamped down very heavily. So unless you have your crypto hardware wallet that's air-gapped from your laptop computer, you basically are vulnerable. Not to mention the fact that forensically, government taxation agencies can go back and try to piece together crypto transactions and tax them very heavily if they catch someone if they change the tax law and then catch someone using cryptos they could have a tax penalty in excess of 100 percent so it could be absolutely confiscatory i think that the days of private cryptos in the in the major western countries are numbered because as soon as the the Western governments roll out their own sovereign cryptocurrencies, it's all over. So that's where it stands in terms of crypto. Um, in terms of other opportunities to, to uh, walk outside of the system or beat the system, again, I'm not optimistic because we live in a pervasive and persistent nanny state and surveillance state where basically all of our moves are tracked. It's not just people who buy transponders so they can use toll roads and bridges. Basically, everyone is being tracked. The automatic license plate readers, the ALPRs, are ubiquitous and becoming even more ubiquitous. So basically, everywhere you go, you're being tracked. If you're in your own vehicle. If you're using a cell phone, you're being tracked continuously. And I urge people very strongly, if you currently own a smartphone that does not have a removable battery, you are basically building a dossier on yourself. You need to ditch that smartphone for either a uh, removable battery smartphone. That's worst case and best case. Go back to either a good old fashioned flip phone, a dumb phone with a easily and quickly removable battery so that you can at least keep your movements private. And so that uh, I strongly suspect that virtually all your conversations that you think are private when your cell phone is officially off and in your pocket are actually being monitored and they can, and given the persistence of the surveillance state, all those conversations could be retrieved at a later date. It's all being archived, every bit of it. That's what Ed- Edward Snowden is warned about. So, again, ditch your smartphone, buy a good old-fashioned flip phone, use it very sparingly, very rarely, um, and only for totally mundane purposes. All your other communications with your trusted friends should be face-to-face or via by by a, good old-fashioned typewritten letters with a good old-fashioned manual or electric typewriter. Uh, I'm a big proponent of the IBM Selectric series with a ball head because you can switch ball heads in five seconds, and you can make uh, that old ball head disappear. And you can buy trays of ball heads because it's obsolete technology uh, for pennies on the dollar. So... Use good old fashioned typewritten letters or handwritten letters or face to face meetings and le- either leave your smartphone completely at home or better yet, take your battery out of your flip phone. And um, so you cannot be tracked when you meet face to face, because basically every movement is being tracked and the same Surveillance technology that was used against Al-Qaeda is now being used against virtually everyone in the Western nations. All, the whole grid of your personal contacts can be reconstructed at a moment's notice. And you really have no, no privacy in terms of uh, if there were ever an attempt to have any sort of resistance against a totalitarian government It would be absolutely smashed immediately. Look at what's gone gone on in Hong Kong. And there, that was the iron fist inside the the velvet glove because the Chinese, uh, you know, will not take full control for several more years in Hong Kong. Uh, They were they actually went very gently on the Hong Kong dissidents. If Hong Kong had been fully unified with China those dissidents would have just disappeared into the Chinese equivalent of a gulag.
0: Yeah. And speaking about phones, it's getting harder in Mexico. They just passed a law uh, last month, forcing everyone uh, in a couple of years to register for each SIM, you know, biometric data, all this other data. So I'll be finding uh, ways to get out of that satellite phone or or using an international uh, SIM.
1: Uh, I, I hate to sound like such a tech nerd, but um, if someone's going to buy a phone, they should buy a phone with two SIM slots and have pay cash if they can for an international SIM card. And then if possible, here in the States, you can still buy a track phone with cash and you can still red, register it as John Smith. And uh, if you set aside the SIMs from four or five phones that you've activated and bought long-term plans on, you're paying by the minute. So you can let those SIMs sit around literally for years, and they'll still be good. And until they require everyone to go to 5G, (coughs) which probably won't be for at least five years, here in the States at least, uh, you'll have at least the opportunity to have a true burner phone.
0: Some good advice. All right, survivalblog.com is the website. I believe you're not on any social media. Is there any other website or project we should know about?
1: Uh, Well, yes. uh, My son and I created cfapa.org. Cfapa is the Citizens First Amendment Press Association where we issue free press credentials to anyone in the United States who's an adult citizen who wants them. And the whole intent there is to turn everyone into a journalist so that um, since cell phones are so ubiquitous, everyone's carrying a camera in their pocket anyway, they might as well have press credentials so that no one will have any excuse to say you can't film that here. Because literally, by law, here in the States, uh, there is no expectation of privacy in a public place. That's the law of the land. But a lot of police are acting as if we don't have the right to film them when they're having encounters with people out on the street. We do. And having press credentials allows people to do that with impunity. And those pre- those press credentials are made available free of charge. You just download them, uh, slap on your own photograph, and laminate them. And you are a bona fide credentialed journalist again it's cfapa.org cfapa.org
0: all right uh i've been reading survival blog for over a decade and it's funny i was reminiscing uh, recently and i I actually found a piece i sent you which you published back in 2012 uh, about where i wrote about some of my experiences when i first arrived to to mexico and having my home broken into uh three times Uh, luckily nothing you know serious uh, happened i wasn't at home um so everyone should bookmark survivalblog.com it's a great resource and check out the nonfiction and fiction books of james wesley rawls mr rawls thank you for being on geopolitics and empire
1: Thank you so much for having me on and i pray the 91st psalm for you and all your listeners
0: i hope you enjoyed this geopolitics and empire podcast interview the website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and i encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week we're being heavily censored youtube has deleted some of our videos and we currently have one strike Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, BitChute and Brighteon. The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app to help keep this podcast alive leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, subscribe to all our platforms and leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.